Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. A vast estate in Scotland. At the main gates, a simmering crowd of 500 gamers. Pubescent boys jostle burnt-out middle managers. Students wired on Ritalin and cans of Monster, and hardcore nerds in suits of foam armour. These are the elite players of a hero's journey, the augmented reality game addicting the nation. Around the world, millions of viewers are live-streaming the feeds from players' AR headsets to see how this ends. Because somewhere inside those walls is Professor Kingfisher, keeper of the Grail Code, and if any of these players can get to him before the bad guys, they get the golden ticket, and tomorrow they wake up a billionaire. All that stands in the way is a 20-foot high wall and a set of iron gates. But then, without warning, a slow creak as the gates roll open to reveal a long driveway up to a perfect Game of Thrones castle. Immediately, the gamers start to swarm through the widening gap and sprint towards it. Over the drawbridge, overwhelming stunned security guards and through the entrance up to the Great Hall and another locked door. But this isn't going to stop them. They ram against it, once, twice, three, four times, it opens, but as it does, they see, standing in the middle of the room, a masked assassin, gun held high, and sticking out of a pistol, a red and yellow flag, and on it, two words, game over. And that's it, Kingfisher's dead, the Grail Code's lost forever, the bad guys have won and no one gets to be a billionaire. The gamers stand in disbelief. This isn't how these things are supposed to end, is it? The system. Five methods for overcoming mortality. Method five, die. The gun-toting assassin approaches one of the gamers. A tall skinny kid in a hoodie goes by a Sir Galilad. She looks into the camera in his AR glasses. So if you were watching the live stream on your phone or iPad, she'd be staring right at you. You just crashed Matt Finch's 50th birthday party. She pulls you into the room. Come on in. There's plenty of food and drink. God, you must be hungry. Help yourself, go on. Your hand tentatively reaches down towards a chicken leg. It's not CGI, babe. Go for it. You take a bite, glance around the room. The guests look dazed, desperate to get out, but too scared to move. Okay, so let me introduce you, because we got them all here. She leads you amongst the tables. Men in black tie, women in long dresses, expensive clothes, expensive hair and faces. Um, we got big oil, big farmer, big tech, minor royalty, some politicians you might recognise. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. She goes up to one table, a tanned man sweating in his tuxedo. She leans into the camera. I don't know if you've noticed food getting expensive. He's done very nicely from that, unlike the farmers and the rest of us. He's very trim though, isn't he? She gives him a little poke in the stomach. No obesity crisis here. She leads you to another table. Has your electricity bill gone up? That's him. Oh, antidepressants, that's this guy. Raw sewage on your beach, that's him. And, oh yeah, okay, and then these guys, uh, well, they just make money off of all the other money. And this guy. A large, pink-faced man. Okay, so he makes his money when things go really wrong. When people lose their jobs and their houses and everything, that is when he really coins it in. She turns to look at you again. Basically, if you're suffering, someone in this room is making money from it. Your pain is their gain. 
She reaches into a bucket, pulls out a bottle. All this vintage champagne and grass-fed beef, you paid for it. You paid for this castle, this whole estate. She gestures around the room. And remember this, drink it all in, because when things get really bad, this is where they'll be. And you'll be out there dealing with the consequences, the heat, the floods, the chaos, and they'll be holed up in here, drinking champagne. There's a noise off camera. Security have gotten themselves together and are forcing their way into the room. She leans in close, her face filling the screen. But it doesn't have to be that way, okay? It's not too late. We don't have to play their game. The multiplayer deathmatch of extraction and, and exploitation of consumption and addiction and of anxiety and disease and extinction, because we are all going to lose. So don't play. There is no game if we don't play it. Consumer capitalism is a death cult. Infinite growth is a delusion. It is time to wake up. It's time to live in reality. GDP is not real. A river is real. A forest fire is real. A bumblebee is real. Let's commit ourselves to reality, to, to fresh air and clean water, to green forests, blue oceans full of life, to food that feeds us, and maybe even a little dancing in the streets. Let's commit ourselves to life. Life. Because that is the holy grail. Yes, bitches, we had it the whole time. Now let's keep it. Suddenly an alarm goes off, lights flash, the sprinklers go off, chaos erupts, security floods the room. Soaking wet VIPs and gamers and ex-Navy SEALs are crawling over each other, trying to work out who's who and what the hell's going on. And I look over to see Matt Finch crawling behind a giant tapestry of the Knights of the Round Table. Hey! Maya spotted him too, and we're both after him, ducking behind a tapestry. Where is he? He's down there! A narrow doorway into darkness. We squeeze through. What the hell's going on? It's complicated. Come on! We come into a wider tunnel. Jake! Car headlights. It lurches towards us, then stops. It's stalled. We look at each other as the car repeatedly lurches forward and stalls. Kangaroo hopping down the tunnel. We walk around it. A nondescript hatchback. I yank the door open. This is not what I asked for. He grinds the gears. Who drives a stick these days? He's sweating, shaking with adrenaline. He turns to us, trying his best to look threatening. They're going to be after you. You're dead meat. From behind us, shouts down the corridor. Someone's coming. You see? Or maybe they're after you. We look at each other. Probably best not to wait around and find out. Move over, let me drive. Jake shoves him into the passenger seat as I get into the back. He puts the car in gear and speeds down the tunnel. Suddenly, we're flying out of the tunnel, emerging from some kind of cave in a hillside. Whoa! Is this exactly like... Batman, yes, that was the reference. Oh, yeah, another middle-aged man living out his child. Okay, now, let me out here. Stop the car. No way. He reaches for the door handle. You try and jump, we chase you down and break your legs. Right, Jake? Someone really needs to tell me what's going on. Finch turns to him. You got played, buddy. No. You got played. Tell him. Go on. Tell him what was supposed to happen. Tell him about the false flag. False flag? What does that mean? It was meant to look like an assassination attempt. What? Tell him. I don't know what you're talking about. Tell you him. You realise this is kidnap? You realise that you've stolen my car and you've kidnapped me? It was meant to look like I shot him. 
There was going to be blood. What? He was going to get dragged out, and then... <laughs> this is the best part. You realize what the sentence for theft and kidnapping He is. was going to die. Actually die. But just, like, for a minute or two. But still, full messiah. With your track records, you're going to go down for a long but time. why? Exactly! What possible purpose? <laughs> to make it look like we're a real threat. The woke mind virus is turning people to murder. He gets control of the narrative. The elections go his way. This is absurd. That was the whole point. To make it look like me and you were conspiring to kill him. I was the mad radical who went missing. You lied your way into his security well, detail. that's true enough. It's all ready for the Daily Mail. The strange tale of the terrorist brother and sister with the unnaturally close bond. What? Body and Clyde with a little whiff of incest. Do you, do you realise how sick you sound? At least he thought. That was the plan, but actually, there was a whole other plan. Jake pulls the car over. Jake? I need to understand what the hell's going on. I just told What's you. What's going on is that your sister is very, very disturbed and she needs help. You're the one who thought you could get away with faking her own death. I don't know if she's having a psychotic episode or what, but you need to get her out of this car. Now. Right now. That's an order! I've got Finch by the arm. I'm leading him round the back of the car. What are you doing? I open the boot. No, I am not going in there. It's filthy. The boot slams, and Jake gets back in. <sighs> She's just driving you back, all right? She should go to the police. Jake, no, no, please. I promise you, I know it sounds insane, but we need to keep moving. We need to get to the rendezvous point. What, what rendezvous point? It's classic heroes, Jane. Where is it? It's back where we started. Whisperman's Wood. Devon. That's literally hundreds of miles away. I can drive if you like. No way. No way. He starts the car. <sighs> Rendezvous with who, anyway? Uh, Coyote? He turns to look at me. What did you say? Did you say Coyote? In most mythologies, there's a trickster, a shapeshifter. Loki, Hermes, Anansi, Maui. But the trickiest trickster of all is from the stories and legends of indigenous Americans. His name? Coyote. When someone gave me that as a stupid code name, did he understand what it meant? All that weight of history. What if he'd called me Mongoose or Lump Sucker? But he didn't. And anyway, maybe it was always my destiny. Why shouldn't a brown boy from Sidcup become a shape-shifting, side-switching, death-cheating, mythical mastermind? Because yeah, here's the thing, in case you haven't worked it out yet. I ain't dead. I am very much alive. And, uh, looking pretty good, actually. Two years earlier, the end of one life and the beginning of another. The brown boy from Sidcup is being bundled into the back of a van by a couple of big dudes. He realises later that they don't even know who they're working for. They're just contractors, mercenaries, anonymously, untraceably hired to detain him. They put him on a freighter ship, heading out of Scotland, which, weeks later, arrives at a port somewhere in South America. From there, he's taken by van and then by river deep into the rainforest, a house surrounded on all sides by dense, intense jungle. A few minutes walk in any direction and you are surrounded by eyes and mouths, thousands of hungry beings waiting to eat you. No way he's making a run for it, so there's nothing to do but wait. And maybe have a little tinker around with a CCTV that seems to be monitoring him 24-7. Days, weeks, months pass. With nothing else to do, the jungle becomes my entertainment. 
fear becomes awe. The sounds, the sights, the smells, the life force of it. I may be the only human, but I am definitely not alone. And on the horizon, when I climb high up on the house, I can see the plumes of smoke at the edge of the forest as it's eaten away by fire. And then one day, an unnatural sound. Louder and louder. It takes a minute to work out what it is. A helicopter. And there he is. Ranjeev Lagari? Oh, man. Are you going to kill me? Matt Fint stands in front of him. Khaki shorts, aviators and a pristine white t-shirt. Please don't kill me. I'm not going to kill you. I certainly wouldn't do it myself if I was. Which I'm not. What happened to Jess? Well, obviously, I don't know who you're talking about. But I did hear of a Western woman jumping off a boat in the Amazon. <sighs> you know what? I don't think you're that brave. Or that stupid. But you do have other talents. You have enough technical skill to hack into the systems here. I... I was bored. Mm. And you know your way around the, uh... The darker corners of the internet. Yeah, no, no, uh, uh, I'm over that. Oh. Could you get back into it? What? I could do with some, uh, narrative support. What does that mean? What it means is running his own little troll farm in the jungle, filling forums and threads with rumour and bile, sliding into people's DMs with little poison nuggets and death threats. Meanwhile, the biggest conspiracy of all is visible from the roof of his house. As the rainforest, my rainforest, gets burnt and chopped away, the size of a football pitch every six seconds, to make way for soy to feed the cows, to feed our meat and dairy habits. Complex systems of life evolved over millennia, destroyed in seconds, to make money for men like the one I now serve. He looks at the Twitter feed of the activist he's been aggressively trolling for the last few months. The activist he used to think was his friend. She doesn't take the abuse lying down. She calls it out. She fights fire with fire. I toggle to another window, the web page of a group that I've become more and more interested in. An idea takes root. He pitches the idea to the boss. Finch is resistant at first, but he works away at that big hungry ego. And finally, the idea that he might be able to cheat death is too delicious. To make it convincing, Coyote needs to find out more about the group he's chosen to cast as the enemy. The Children of the Green Man. A small group, but different from others. For them, it's not just politics or activism. It's a battle for the human soul. He convinces Finch to let him go meet them. They're already here in the Amazon, protesting. I already know that I have an ulterior motive. I already know that my interest in this group is real. And when he meets them, something unexpected happens. I thought I might fall for their ideas, the practice, the rituals. I didn't expect to fall for an actual other person. Especially not a man with a red mullet. Together, they develop the real plan to use the fake assassination to expose Finch his gang of disaster capitalists and their bunker colonies. And with elections looming, they'll use the hero's journey game to show the world what's really going on in the corridors of power. And for the assassins, he knows just the people to use. And yeah, he might take the opportunity to mess with their heads a little. Why not? They did abandon and forget about him after all. No point in being coyote if you can't be a bit of a tricksy bastard. We're speeding down through England. 
Jake's not said anything for a full minute. I'm sorry. It's just... I don't know, it's safer for you to not know. But he just stares. I switch on the radio, see if there's any news. I'm sorry. What? I didn't listen to you that day. When? The funeral. Oh. Just couldn't handle it. Oh, it's fine. To be honest, I think I was probably still high from the night before. I was just, I was trying to be in control of everything, but some things you just can't control. So now I'm trying to learn to, like, you know, like, sit with my feelings. Oh my God. What? Have you been doing therapy? Yeah, maybe. You James. <laughs> I think you'll find I've grown. <laughs> I think you'll find I've evolved. Yeah, into a dick. <laughs> Well, you're not the only one who's changed. Yeah, what do you mean? Look. I glance over. By the side of her eye, a green twisting tendril snakes back towards her hair, sprouting from it. A little pink apple. So this is real, the old green man thing. Mm -hmm. You're not, like, playing a part. No way, man. Future is pagan. <laughs> or, like, maypoles and human sacrifice. We need to feel wonder. We need to feel awe. Feel awe. Yeah, or at the power of nature. It's beautiful and it's yeah. terrifying and we should celebrate it. We should worship it. It's the sanest thing you can do. <laughs> Good luck selling that one. Um, we're already more pagan than we even realise. Most Christian festivals are just randomly stuck onto older seasonal rituals with some biblical bollocks bottled on. Eggs and rabbits at Easter. Evergreen trees and twinkling lights in the dark at Christmas. See, you're all there. Now we just need to let go of all the human exceptionalism bullshit. Because if we don't get that we're a part of it, it's not a machine or a program or a resource or something to control and dominate. It's life, baby! It's us and we are it! There's no separation! If we don't get that, not just in our brains, but in our bodies, our hearts and our souls, it's just going to swallow us back up again. We're going to have a baby. What? Yep, Carly's what? pregnant. Oh, are you serious? Yep, four months. <gasps> I can't believe it. Yeah. I'm going to be an auntie. Uh, that's one way of looking at it. I mean, yeah, you're going to be a dad, but that kid is going to have me as an auntie. I'm actually kind of jealous of that kid. Wow. <laughs> you know what? I'm not sure you have changed. <laughs> the news comes on. An incident has taken place at the 50th birthday party of tech boss Matt Finch. He's reportedly been kidnapped by a group known as the Children of the Green Man, one of whom has been identified as the activist Maya Prince. He pulls the car over, turns to look at me. What? Really? We're standing by the boot. He swings oh. it open. Oh, thank God. you got to let me out. Shut Please. up. Just, Just... Get... Yeah, I reckon you can squeeze in. What? what? Well, there's, there's no way How that you can get... How am I supposed to fit in here? It's massive. Well, you'll have to go top to tail. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. If someone told me this morning I'd spend the night 69 with Matt Finch, I'd never got out of bed. A police van is speeding towards us. Get in. She climbs in. You would better be in good health. Mate, I am riddled with distance. Nits, herpes, worms, got a lot. And I slam the boot shut. It's pitch black and our bodies are pressed up against each other. <clears throat> I've never been this intimate with someone I hate so much. I can't help being aware of what good shape he's in. Also, he smells really, really good. Like sandalwood and leather. Which only makes me angrier. So, I guess this is your chance. What? To convert me to your cause. 
Really? Yeah, sure. Pitch me. Why not? Uh, why should I join your group? Uh, why should we have you? Uh, because I'm worth thirty billion dollars. You could lift a lot of people out of extreme poverty, like immediately. Have you thought about that? Is that what you'd do if you had money? I did have money, and I didn't like it, so I bought up a chunk of rainforest. Slightly wished I kept more of it back, but not everyone can handle wealth. Because no individual should have that amount. It's obscene. It warps the mind. People with wealth and power behave like they're brain damaged. Says who? Look it up. There's a study. It's a fact. They are actually less capable of empathy. Huh. But uh, which comes first, the lack of empathy or the wealth and power? Either way, it's not good, mate. Look at the state of you. The green man, though. Isn't that a bit sexist? Shouldn't it be the green person? Everyone's welcome. Even you. But first, we'd need to talk about your issues. What issues? Well, there's obviously something deeply, deeply wrong that makes you act in the way that you do. Skim so on. What ails thee, Matt? Right now, you ail me. <laughs> come on. What's really going on? What's going on there under the surface? What do you need, Matt? What do you need? Mummy, the daddy, to love and be loved in return. What I need is to get out of this trunk. Okay. Well, anyway, nice try. Oh right, is that the end of the pitch meeting? I've had my five minutes. Pretty much. Actually, there is one more thing I wanted to say. What? Hang on. Hang on. Oh wait, hang on a sec. <sighs> okay. Okay, here we go. Oh my God! You're an animal. And that's the end of my pitch. Oh. As the sun is just peeking over the horizon, we reach Dartmoor. Suddenly, the boot opens. Cold air streams in. We somehow manage to fall asleep. Oh, look at you, two peas in a pod. In our sleep, we've become entwined. My head is resting on his calf. He's clutching my foot. Managed all right without your nappy. He ignores me. Looks out over the bleak hills. What is this? Dartmoor. You see all this? She gestures out across the empty moorland. See all what? Exactly. Once the whole place was covered in temperate rainforests, then what happened? Uh, civilization, progress. Fire and sheep. Look, if a resource is free and available, people are going to take it. It's human nature. Maybe for you. Some people learned a long time ago not to take more than they need if they don't want it to disappear. We make our way down and step into the shadows of the wood. Through the gnarled and twisted branches, down a path and into a clearing, and there he is, sitting on the rock with the circles. Hey. Right. He looks different. His head's shaved. His nose is pierced. And there, perched just behind him, that unmistakable red mullet. Just in time. I told you they'd make it. If you bet me a fiver, you guys wouldn't make it before sunrise. Finch is all up in his face. So what do you want? How much do you want? I don't want your money. You little bastard. I trusted you. You will never trust someone called Coyote. 
Finch turns suddenly and bolts for it. We all run, but I'm closest. Maya lunges at him like a rugby player. He falls to the ground. He tries to kick her away, but she's on his back, driving his face down into the dirt as we get him by the arms. We pull him over to a tree. Coyote pulls out a bunch of cable ties, lashes one arm to a branch, then stretches out the other arm wide and lashes it to another branch, then his legs to the trunk. And there it is, Matt Finch crucified on an oak tree. There you go. Still get your messiah moment. Wait, wait, you're just going to leave me here? Oh, no, you won't be alone, mate. This place is full of interesting species. The beetles and the big black slugs and the bog hoverflies, they'll be over you in a couple of minutes. Just watch your eyes, though, because those buzzards have got sharp beaks on it. And the fungi and the moss and the lichens grow fast in the woods. They'll be up to your waist by lunchtime, and by sunset, branches twisting up out of your head, spewing vines out of your mouth and eyes and nose. Coyote beckons us over. Yeah, mate. I want to show you something. He heads back over to the rock with the circles. Thanks for coming to my funeral, by the way. You were here? Just behind that tree. Hmm? What do you think of the actress playing my mum? Oh, explains why she didn't look that sad. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I couldn't get anyone good in case you recognise them. She's only done, doctors. <laughs> anyway, check this out. He points down to where his ashes were scattered all those weeks ago. Poking up out of the ground, a few green shoots and a single purple flower. Is that why you made us drive all the way here? To look at some flowers? Not exactly. I look back to see Robin, Cable Tie and Maya and Coyote together to another tree. What are you doing? You get to be the hero. In the distance, a police siren. What? You detained Finch and Maya and you used them to lure me to get you here. Wait, what? Keep up, mate. It's your plan. Yeah, and you tipped off the police, you bastard. Okay, but, but why are you doing this? I want my day in court. Tomorrow I'm going to be a hero as well. Eventually. Yeah, me too. And me. <laughs> yeah, we're all heroes. Okay. But you don't know what's going to happen. You might go to jail. Yeah, and that's why you're not going to jail, Jake. You're staying on the right side of the law. Plus, he's going to be a dad. What? Shut up. <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. All right, well, there you go. Congratulations. But you need to join the proper police now. We need good people in there. Robin starts to walk off down the hillside. Where are you going? I'm not going to jail either, guys. Keep... Planting seeds! The sirens get closer. Up the hill, police cars arrive on the road. Officers get out and start running down towards us. A bird cries out. And we all turn to see it fly up out of a tree. And circle around the sky. Past the sun. Which is now fully up. Filling the woods with the light of a new day. And the world is reborn. Again. And again. And again. In the system. Maya was played by Sienna Kelly. Jake by Jack Rowan. And Coyote by Divian Ladwell. Ash and Reggie by Ian Dunnett Jr. Carly and Amanda by Lois Chimimba. Matt Finch by Rashan Stone. 
Robin and the Voice of the Game by Ryan Sampson. And Wendy by Amelia Bull. Studio production was by Matt Bainbridge. The coordinator was Ellie Marsh. It was a BBC Scotland production for BBC Radio 4, commissioned by Alison Hindle and Rianne Roberts. Original music and sound design was by Danny Crass. The System was written by Ben Lewis and directed by Kirsty Williams. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.